We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Okay, so... Once again, it is uh, my birthday, and uh, it is October 19th. Uh, Of course, you will probably be listening to this like a month later, because that's how long it takes me to uh, do this whole thing. But um, we just got back from Disneyland, uh, but more on that later. Um, First of all, let's start by talking about the music today. Um, I was listening to... Oh, uh, what podcast was it? Oh, yes, it was Fat Man on Batman. And a uh, person in the audience got up and they said, um, what is the soundtrack to your life? And, you know, they the, the guys answered. Uh, one guy said, like, uh, uh, Stevie Wonder, Songs in the Key of Life. Another person said a uh, Prince album. Uh, I think, I can't remember what Kevin Smith said. But um, I, I, when, when they said the question of what's the s- soundtrack of your life, I took it to mean like my entire life, not just like, what do I think about, you know, my day is like, like, what gets me going, like all that jazz? No. So that's why I picked this album. Take a listen. This band is uh, a band called Zerkus. Um, they were a band that I, uh, you know, ex- was exposed to uh, in my time when I had an internship at Atlantic Records in college. And I love this band so much. I love this album so much. But I have to say that this band was sort of doomed from the start, right? They right out of the gate where you know they've got what uh the they've got an upright bass player a guitarist a a drummer who is also the singer but he doesn't even play a full kit he just plays a floor tom and a snare but somehow it works but like record people don't care they don't want to they don't want to hear about that they don't want your weird shit they want something that they can market and it's easy and like easy to get out to the people, right? They don't want they don't want any shenanigans. Oh, and don't forget about the three-part horn section and the violinist. They were never going to make it. They never had a chance. But, you know, I mean, you can't just you you got to do what you got to do, right? You got to do what calls to you and makes sense to you, and this is I guess what makes sense to the people in the band. So, they did it. Um, what one of the things I really like about this album, and the way the reason why I feel like it explains my whole life, is because this album has everything that they've ever recorded, right? So you get songs like this, which is called "The Devil's Busboy," and it's definitely like deep, deep on the weird side of things. So. Um, 
you know, but but as their career moves on, they like figure themselves out. They become a little bit more commercial. And, you know, I mean, this song is just like talking most of the time. And it's very like Tom Waitsy weird. And, you know, I know what you're saying. Like Tom Waits had a career. Yeah, well, barely. Uh, and he only really had a career because he just stayed with it for 20 years. And this whole song is just so you know, it's just about how this guy, the the guitar player, uh, met Anton LaVey, the leader of the Church of Satan. Yeah. And uh, he was waited on him at a restaurant. So anyway, this is the Devil's Bus Boy. Okay, so before we get to Disneyland... Let's talk about uh, my, more of my thoughts on uh, my Doug Loves Movies appearance. Um, you know, first of all, I think I said this last time, but I, it bears repeating. The idea of perfection is, is impossible, right? There is no such thing as perfect. You're never, ever going to make perfection. So if you ever think something's going to be perfect, it, will, it won't be. Because it just, it will never, ever be exactly what you envisioned. Um, So get rid of that idea. Um, But it was amazing, right? Like that bit at the end where I tell them how much I love them and Kate comes up and hugs me. Like that is a real moment, Right. It was a real moment between two people on that stage. And that almost never happens on that stage. Right. It's mostly like jokes and lies and improv and all of these things. But to have like a genuine moment there and that and those people in that audience, they probably didn't appreciate it. And they're probably never going to see anything like that ever again. And it was amazing. And to be part of that, like, I'm, um, I'm, always, I'm always so angry at movies and interviews and all of this stuff where it's just like, God damn it, man. It's the same fucking thing over and over and over again. I'm just tired of it. Boy, they're really going off the rails with the music on this one. No wonder they didn't get signed. And the other thing about uh, Doug Loves Movies is I know I had said, like, oh, I wish I could have talked to them more. Maybe that's a good thing that I didn't. Maybe it might have spoiled things. Maybe, maybe it was all for the best. And maybe that made it better. I don't know. I've been getting very metaphysical lately because I'm, I'm sort of wondering if the universe is trying to tell me something because every time I, I, you know, I just, I, I, I went out for another job the other day and, and I had a bunch of interviews and a bunch of people liked me, but the, I don't know, director of something or the VP of something, I can't remember who I interviewed with, he didn't like me. And so that was it. It was over. And I'm just like, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe the fact that it's such a struggle and it's so goddamn hard getting a job doing this thing that maybe I shouldn't be doing it. 
Now, the other problem, of course, is I have no idea what else I would be doing. I don't know what else somebody would pay me to do. But boy, damn it, it just feels like a struggle to just do the thing that I have been doing for, I don't know, at least 15 years. And it shouldn't be that hard. And oh my God, we've been interviewing people for, because uh, we we get to hire another person. That dude, we've interviewed two dudes so far. They're both terrible. I mean terrible. Like their personalities suck. They don't know enough of the technical stuff. I mean, it's just a, it's just a shit show all, all across the board. So it's like, it just makes me wonder, like, how are these guys finding jobs doing anything? If I can't get a job, how are they getting a job at all? I don't know, man. I don't, you know, Bucky Sinister, he, uh, when I talked to him, he said at Max FunCon, he was like, you know, I wanted to be Stephen Wright. I wanted to be the one-liner guy. And he's like, I got up and I tried it and it didn't work. And then I tried some other stuff and that didn't work. And then it was only until the point where I started telling honest stories from my life that that worked and people started to respond to that. So it's the same idea, right? Like it may not be the universe trying to tell me something, but it may be... Circus Sound, only available on Borscht Tunes, records and tapes. It may be that um, it's people trying to tell me something like maybe there's people out there who are like no you shouldn't do this but you should do this other thing but they don't ever say what the other thing is they just are like yeah you shouldn't do this thing okay so now in the in the zirkus career we are farther along and um this is a great song called lichtenstein oh and all of these songs um are on an album called smashes Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, before I uh, leave Doug Loves Movies, um, one really interesting thing um, was how much Paul Shear had my back. Um, because when I, like, when I gave my plug, you know, about my YouTube channel, he makes sure to repeat it. Like, he asked me questions. Like, he was totally in my court. But what was really weird about that is that he... Uh, once upon a time hosted a party down reunion at Cobb's Comedy Club as part of SF Sketchfest, and I asked a question and he ran away from me so goddamn hard. I'm surprised there weren't, you know, flaming tracks uh, back to the future style away from me. So that being said, I guess, you know, I... There, I, you never can tell, I guess, is the moral of that story. I don't know. I have to say, though, it's, it's really hard. Whenever I do one of these cool, like, show-busy things, it's always hard coming back to reality because it's just like, I mean, it's that high, high, and then you just come back to reality and you're just like, God damn it, I, w- I bet you... You know, uh, Paul Shear doesn't have to. Well, Paul has two kids, so he probably does have to. But it's just like, you know, you go back. Oh, my God. Like, I went back the next day, and I'm just in this meeting, and we're learning about some dumb technology. And I was just like, God damn it, man. 
I just had like the most amazing experience of my life. And now I'm just in here learning about this inane technology that you're, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's no wonder people get addicted to cocaine, right? Like that, those highs are, are, are just dizzying. So the, the last thing um, I, I will say is um, I, I also don't feel too bad about my appearance on Doug Loves Movies because even though I wanted to get more laughs, um, you know, a guy like Dave Gruber Allen, who uh, is, you know, did Naked Trucker and T-Bone and Higgin, Higgins Boys and Gruber and, and all of these things was on like the like the 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 episode after me or something or around the same time and he didn't do that great and i thought he was really funny and so just the fact that they didn't respond to him i shouldn't take that personally right like it's just the way it goes you know sometimes you get a crowd that's totally into it and loves what you're doing and other times not so much although i did get that one laugh at the end that i'm really happy with so anyway there's my uh there's my time on Doug Loves Movies. All right, moving on to Disneyland. So I have to say, uh, I had a much better time at Disneyland than I was expecting to. I thought, I don't know what, I, I, I thought I would just hate everything and you know just be in misery, but boy, howdy. Some of those rides, man, are really great <laughs> really great rides um yeah they have this um just disney like they, they they've got uh you know i we went to both disneyland and right next door they have california adventure and california adventure is really stupid because when they opened it it was all just like california themed shit and you're like why would i do that i am literally standing in california right now and then it kind of you know you walk around you realize oh this is northern california this is even lamer for me because i live there but they have since it's opened it opened in like 2001 since then they have like kind of distanced themselves a little bit from that here's california so they've got a lot more like Here's Cars attraction, and then here's a Little Mermaid ride, and like all these other things. So, um, the, the I will say, if you are going, the two best rides between Disneyland and California Adventure are both in California Adventure, and one is a Cars ride, and uh, the other is uh, it's called Soren. It was originally called Soren California. Uh, that's S-O-A-R-I-N apostrophe, not Sauron. You shall not pass! I, I know that's not Sauron, but it's the only line I know from the movie. Uh, but, um, it's, it's, uh, so, uh, the Cars ride, it, it's just, uh, there, Miriam posted a video on Facebook. Go check it out. Um, you get a good sense of, like, how fast it moves and how crazy it is. I, I, it's really, really fun. Now, the Soren ride is really hard to explain, but basically it's um it's a movable rig that lifts you up in the air. You're sitting in in you know a row of seats and it lifts you up in the air and then uh, they have a curved projection screen 
where they project um, sort of fly-throughs of, you know, famous landscapes, which are all rendered in 3D. Um, but there's no glasses. I mean, they have digitally created them. It's not like somebody flew a plane around and did it. No, it's all 3D CGI made. But what's amazing about the ride is as the, you know, the fictitious airplane sort of flies through this land, this rig that you're in moves subtly, but in the directions that the other, that, you know, the plane is going. So it goes up, it goes down, it goes back. And it, it feels like you are just flying through this world. It's, it's unexplainable and totally amazing. So if you're gonna go, make a beeline to that, because here's the other thing. Thanos was right. If you have seen uh, the latest uh, Avengers movie where Thanos' big plan, this is not a spoiler, This is they tell you this right up front. Thanos' big plan is he's gonna get all the Infinity Stones and then just basically wipe out half of the population of the universe because there are just too many goddamn people. And after being at Disneyland, yeah, Thanos gets it, man. He knows. He knows. Um, so, uh, yeah, so here's the deal with, with the crowds. If you go at, I would say, anytime between the park opens at 8 a.m., 8 a.m., and 10 a.m., then you can walk onto a ride with maybe a five-minute wait. Anything after 10 minutes, after 10 o'clock, it, then it bumps up to a half an hour. Anything up to after 11 a.m. is an hour wait, and it's an hour wait the rest of the day. And I'm talking about the good rides, you know. We went on the Little Mermaid ride, which is actually also pretty cool, uh, but it's not great. I mean, it's like, it's kind of like, oh, this is fun and this is pleasant and all of this stuff. But it's not like, it's not like getting your blood going. It's not like people aren't raving about it. And the fucker broke down like a couple of times while we were on it. So, uh, so that's anyway, so that's the deal. And you can get fast passes and that's a whole other thing. But even that runs out after a while. So you can't really depend on it. So, um, Disneyland obviously attracts millions of people a year. Uh, so, statistically, it's going to attract some freaks. Yeah, super duper freaks. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, so uh, one guy was on the shuttle bus from our hotel to the park. Uh, which they are now calling Disneyland Park Resort. I guess because there is actually a hotel on the property. That's why they do that. But I'm just like, no, it's not a resort. It's an it's a amusement park. Anyway, so we're on the shuttle bus to the resort. And this guy, I'm sitting next to this guy, very heavy, brought his teacup whatever dog to Disneyland. I'm like, why would you do this? I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, it's cheaper to bring it than to leave it, you know, boarded or leave it at home or hire a dog sitter or whatever. But it just seems like 
Wait, I mean, it, are they actually gonna let you on the ride with a dog? I mean, I get, I know, I mean, he had it in a little backpack carrier, but I'm just like, really? Are you really? Does this really want to deal with this? And, and of course, the dog's name was Peanut. So, <laughs> so, and then, and then, the the thing that I find baffling too is all the people in Mickey Mouse garb. Like, well, let's just start there. Like. What what is it about Mickey Mouse? Right? Like like these people are are loving Mickey Mouse. And I'm like, why? I mean, Mickey Mouse isn't good, right? Like what's the good Mickey Mouse thing that you saw, right? Like what it I mean other than Fantasia. You know, one thing he did, I don't know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. That's the thing that you love. Like, I get it. I saw a bunch of people dressed up as, uh, you know, the Incredibles, the, you know, the whole family, whole family costume dressed as the Incredibles. I get that. That's an amazing movie. Those are great characters. Even the sequel's really good. So I get it. That makes sense. But Mickey Mouse, it's weird. Like, he's living this life of, he's, he's a fashion statement. At this point, I mean, I, I was telling Miriam, I, I feel like he's equated to Hello Kitty, right? Hello Kitty has no TV show. She has no comic book. Um, she is a brand, a clothing line, and people are obsessed with Hello Kitty. Same thing. Same thing with Mickey Mouse. The the, the people that I really don't understand are the, are the women who go full Minnie Mouse. Like, they've got the clip-on, you know, the headband with the ears and the little bow. And they've got, you know, the red and white skirt and the black top. And I'm just like, oh, what is this? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you, what, how, what connects you to this? Because Mi- Mi- Minnie Mouse has even less than Mickey. I mean, I think she makes an appearance in, oh, um... Uh, the 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 one where Mickey fights the giant. Uh, yeah, for those of you who don't have kids, uh, is you're probably like, I don't know what that is. It's like, good, you shouldn't. Uh, and then Minnie Mouse has obviously been incorporated into all this other horseshit, you know, the Mickey's Club and and all of that. But if you're over the age of twelve, you, I can't imagine you would be watching this. So somehow, the geniuses at Disney have just made this whole thing. They just, it's, 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 it's more than just rides, and it's more than just clothing. It's like, almost like a way of life. Like, you'd see a lot of people uh, with shirts on that says, like, Disney life, happy wife, and, and, oh my god, the merchandising at Disney is out of control like you see people you can see 20 people they all have a disney shirt on whether it's disney or marvel or star wars and none of them have the same one right like disney just cranks out the merch like mad and people buy it they buy it you know there are some that have the year printed on them people are like shit i gotta have that it's got the year on it come on let's go it's got the year it's insane and I don't, and you know, you know the people at Warner Brothers are like, what, what, what happened? 
We got we got Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny used to be a thing. Bugs Bunny is in Space Jam. People love Space Jam. Like, what the fuck happened? Like, how did we miss this boat? We can't do anything right. You know, we don't have theme parks. Everybody hates Batman now. How did we fuck up Batman? By the way, I still like Batman. What, how, what happened to Warner Brothers? Those Warner Brothers cartoons are fucking great. I don't know why I'm swearing so much. Maybe I've had to hold it in being around all the kids. Or maybe I'm just so fired up. Anyway. Having said all that... I have to say, on some level, I get it. I walked into that Disney theme park. Now, as a kid, I went to Disney a couple of times. I think we stopped probably around the age of like seven or eight. But like, just seeing the top of Space Mountain was like being shot in the face with a fire hose of nostalgia. Like, it just, it's... It's a visceral response. Like, I can't even explain what it was I felt, but it was emotion. It was a, boy, it was like a a punch of emotion to the, to the head, heart, and chest. Uh, And, and, and it was, it was profound. And I, I teared up and it was weird. And then at another point in the park, um, they have a marching band and they start playing the Star Wars theme song. And again, it just gets me. And I'm just like, oh my God, I love that so much. And you guys are so good. And it's just, uh, it's something, something is so strong and so powerful that I get it. Like all of these people who are hearkening back to their youth, maybe, maybe they're trying to capture some, Part of that timeless quality, you know, because you walk into Disneyland and that Main Street kind of looks the same, like it's always looked, like it's looked for, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years. I don't know when they built that thing, but it's just there. It's it's time in a bottle, you know. I, I one of the things I always get weepy about is the idea that you can never go home again. And maybe that is what people like about Disney, that they they see Disneyland as that safe space that never changes, and it's always there for them. And and me, yeah, okay, some of the rides come and go, but really, like you know, oh, they got me again on that Soren ride. That Soren ride ends with a flyover over Disneyland. And Tinkerbell comes out, and she does the opening to uh, Wonderful World of Disney, where she comes out and she does the little um, Wonderful World of Disney, you know, boing over the uh, the uh, castle, that you know, that iconic Disney castle. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's just again, it's just like bam. So um, I, I guess that's another reason why I like this album so much because there is um, so much nostalgia attached to it. Um, you know, this was college, you know, where I didn't really have much care. And, uh, you know, I could get on the guest list because I had a record label connection. And um, yeah, yeah, it was a, you know, it was a, it was a different time. 
Okay, so I want to end this episode a little differently than the others. Um, The the song, I think, that really uh, crystallizes this album for me and in terms of like how I relate to it and how how it is the soundtrack of my life is uh, not this song. The next song is uh, Make Me Hollywood. And it's a great song because it's all about a guy who wants to shake things up and be different and loves art house movies. And oh, here's this rap break. Alright, what a great rap break. Um, of course, done by a bunch of white guys, so that's a little weird. But uh, but Make Me Hollywood is all about a guy who loves art house movies and, you know, doesn't want the old sappy uh, Hollywood ending and he likes, you know, things to be different and weird and odd as just this whole band is and just as I am. Um, but the song Make Me Hollywood is all about how um, the great line is, um, I, I, uh, um, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm not even going to try and quote the lyrics. Just, I'm going to just leave the whole song here at the end and you can listen to it. Um, but, uh, fear not true believers. Um, this is certainly not the end of the podcast or anything so ceremonious. I'm going to do this thing till I die. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's always more to talk about, more to do. And hopefully next week will be better. So, from me, from the music of Bright Brown, and from Zirkus, let's do this one more time. Till then. And the crowd goes home And I'm left all alone In a story you won't see put On any uptown marquee My film strictly art house fair No tact on happy endings here So if you please Just between you and me Make me Hollywood Give that ending to me
know what it'd be worth all that time Just to hear you use that old line Make me Hollywood Say you'll be mine 